Hey, everybody, this is Nikki Bruno with the Epic Comeback Podcast, where warrior women who've been through absolute caca give you advice on getting to the other side of yours. And I'm super excited. This is going to be a fun one today. This woman is a live wire, and her name is Christine Travis. She's my guest today, and she is spunky, sassy, and ready to tell her story. So, Christine, Welcome to the Epic Comeback Podcast. That is so much pressure. Now I'm all, now I'm going to feel the need to be spunky and like feisty and all these things. And I'm going to be super mellow and they're going to be like, no, she's not a live wire. She's quite boring. So <laughs> the pressure. Thank that you for having me. You're very, very welcome. And it is my pleasure. And I am going to hand you the mic right away, Christine. And I'd like to ask you, who the heck are you and where are you from and how do you spend your time. What makes what keeps you busy during the day? <laughs> okay. So, well, I feel like the times we're in right now with all the COVID things, you, my instant go-to thing is trying to avoid my children. That's what I do during the day is I try to avoid them because <laughs> I'm surrounded by them all the How time. Your children? How old are they? They're 15 and 13. Oh, okay. They try to avoid me too. I actually think we work really well trying to equally avoid each other. So I can, it might be three in the afternoon before I see one of them. So I know they're there. It's fine. You it's know, that great. doesn't I'm work a great mom. a five-year-old and an eight-year-old. That's how old mine are. I, you know, trying to avoid them just doesn't really work. No, that falls under a call to, you know, one of those protective services things may have to happen. <laughs> mine I hear. <laughs> and they're like, I know the video games are going and, and all that. But somewhat, all joking aside, the besides the kids, I do, I have a podcast too. So this is fun. This is actually really fun being on someone else's. It's kind of relaxing and nice to just roll up and, and chat. So I have my podcast and uh, I'm a divorce coach. So I help people. That's what I do for my living is I help people navigate the divorce process. I call it the minefield that is divorce, the emotional minefield that is divorce. And that's my job. And I kind of, adore it. Well, I can relate to that. I can definitely relate to that because I do the same thing. So speaking of divorce, um, Christine. Yes. As you know, this (laughs) is a podcast that is created by and for mostly women and a few dudes who have been to hell and back, who've been through real absolute caca. Would you please share with us what happened to you? What did you go through and what was the worstest, worstest part? Okay, so this lends itself to what I do now for a living. And I do think a lot of people that have gone through the caca, right? We don't swear on this podcast, right? I will be respectful. We can swear. I just think caca is more expressive than absolutely. The other one works for me. Okay, so I do think a lot of times when people go through something and have survived it, they try to pay it forward, whether it's sharing what they did and how they got through it so people can avoid that or just to be inspirational. So for me, it was my divorce. That's the main reason why I became a divorce coach. So my ex and I, he's a good person and our divorce should have been manageable, if not amicable. It there is no reason it shouldn't have been. <laughs> no one did anything shady. We agreed on finances, on the kids. However, 
neither one of us were prepared for worst case scenarios, secondhand legal advice and divorce horror stories that every single person, I mean, it almost was like the second they heard we were going through a divorce, people were lining up at the door, grocery mm. store clerks back in the day when Uber and Lyft and you were using those before all this COVID stuff. Anyone that heard we were going through a divorce, someone had something to say and he got stressed out, spun out and our, what should have been, I'm so sorry. I have this little cough, but what should have been an amicable divorce went completely off the rails. All communication broke down. He lawyered up. I was out tens, twenties, thirty thousands dollars in this, in this divorce process that should never, it should never have happened. Nothing should have happened. So the comeback when you and I were talking about this was the fact that I had a, I applied strategy. I took my company's one life strategy because you only have one life and I helped develop the strategies to make the most of it. And that's, I was already doing that sort of life coaching and some strategic planning. And Mm -hmm. so I used my divorce as my first case study and took the emotions out, put strategy in and was able to take our divorce from nuclear to nice is what I called it. And it's been eight years and our amicable divorce is still going strong. So that's, that's my little comeback. I think there's others that are bigger, but that's my like divorce comeback. That's epic, girlfriend. That's epic. Listen, that is a huge comeback. You know, there's so much to respond to in what you just said. Something I want to point out is you use the words manageable and amicable. And I've never heard anyone use the word manageable to describe a divorce. I've heard people talk about it as amicable or high conflict or apocalyptic or... Yes conscious uncoupling oh dear lord yes all of that stuff yeah but i kind of i really like that the difference in shade of meaning between a manageable divorce and an amicable divorce because there's definitely there are definitely categories in the middle between absolutely apocalyptic and amicable everybody loves each other and we're singing kumbaya and the fact that you were able to take a divorce that went off the rails and turn it around and move it back into the land of reasonableness and that you, you, and I want to say breaking gender roles, I think here a little bit and stereotypes of who is going to be strategic. Well, you, I am you a mother and strategic chick. There's nothing. There's yeah. Yes. That's good Absolutely. stuff. That's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, I mean, some about strategy that you can't argue with. So Mm-mm. no. And I'm telling you, and divorce is already such a high emotional state. And when I took a step back, it was amazing what I could see. Cause you get people that try to divorce vicariously through you and you have to be aware of that. Cause it's, they're trying to relive their divorce, like revenge stories. And it's crazy when you think of all the advice you get, it has nothing to do with your divorce and it has everything to do with the divorce that they've experienced or someone in their life has experienced. And when you, when you can see it, it's just this moment where you're like, wow, okay. I've, if anyone's going to handle this, it's going to be me. And let's just make this divorce goals a reality sort of thing. Yeah. So I'm fascinated by what you said about people lining up. It kind of reminds me of when so for for a long time in my career i was a book editor and then there was also some time in my career when i was a high school english teacher 
Mm. And it was fascinating to me that when I was a book editor, people were like, oh, cool, you're a book editor. And then that's where the conversation generally stopped. Because <laughs> I think most people don't really relate to that job because they've never been in it. And they, they don't know the questions to ask. There's no follow-up questions. Yeah. They're, like, they're not really familiar with the world necessarily because there aren't you know thousands and thousands and millions of book editors in the world. However, when you're a teacher, when you're a high school English teacher, everyone's been there, everyone's had multiple English teachers and everyone has an opinion. I couldn't believe it. I mean, it was even actually kind of gross. Like there was, when I was a teacher, I was single and I was dating and and men were really kind of turned on by the fact that I was a teacher because they had these fantasies of like their own high school teachers. So they would, they would tell me about them and I'd be like, are you actually trying to hit on me? Do you think that I'm going to find this to be alluring that you're telling me about your teacher fantasies like come on no yeah yeah I totally get that I do and it's true people just they feel like they have to share and with no one was sharing like dating like I'm just picturing I'm so sorry I'm just picturing the guys saying those things to you when they found out you were an English teacher and it's just you know they get the ruler and want you to dress up and role play. And I'm, I'm just all, yeah. Wow. No, no. Mine were just people trying to ruin my divorce. That's all. They were just, you know, the people that lined up, they were sharing just, and it's the secondhand legal advice. Honestly, that's more than anything where it's my best friends, cousins, neighbors, girlfriends, ex-boyfriend got, went through a divorce. And this is what their lawyer suggests. You should do that. And I'm yeah. like, <laughs> again, no, that has nothing to do with my divorce and my situation and what were, what our divorce goals were. Because originally mine and my ex's divorce goals were to keep it amicable. And mm-hmm. when I looked at it and then it shifted and then it was getting worse and worse. And I'm like, no, we can make this manageable. And having that, I like boundaries. I like respect. I'm not trying to be my ex's best friend, but having a co-parenting partnership based on some level of respect and healthy boundaries has worked for eight years, almost eight years. So I can't complain. And I've learned a lot and being able to do what I do now. And if, if my ex had had someone to talk to like me or any sort of divorce coach, and if I had had the same we would have saved so much money, mm-hmm. so much money. So yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Well, I'm going to, so we've been cough is not going away. So I have to keep sipping on this water while we talk. I'm so sorry. Do what you got to do. Do what okay. you got to do. We're living life here. We're living life in quarantine. So we've gone to, we've gone to the, to the pit of despair when things went off the rails and the divorce was hard and painful. And I'm going to take- You know what was the pit of despair too, was me not being able to, I had to choose to be the better person and I am feisty and I'm bratty and I win. So I had to look long-term. Yeah. I didn't get that immediate gratification of those zingers and those things that I could have said that would have just destroyed him. But I didn't because what that would have done was destroyed my children's future. And so it was, as much as I like to be strategic, it, sometimes I call it, it's not divorce checkers, it's divorce chess. And you have to think like five, seven, 20 steps ahead. And when kids are involved, that's five, seven, 20 years ahead because 
there's a ton that happens with your children after they're 18. It's not that child support might stop at 18, but co-parenting truly lasts forever. So it was one of the worst parts was not, not being as feisty as I could, but it was for the good of my children and their future. And so I take pride in it now, but that, that was one of the hardest parts. It is hard. It is hard. And actually, even just this morning, I posted something on social media that was like, oddball divorce tip number one, a noble use for a garden variety stick. Like, because there comes that time in a divorce, and sometimes it's all the time, like every day, when you have to hold your tongue. You have to keep your mouth shut if you want to play that long game. So I suggested like, go outside, get a stick, Put it in your mouth and bite down hard until yes. you're done. Like, or go off like Yosemite Sam in your backyard to no one, and or like write that nasty email without ever putting an address on it and never send it. But it is very, very hard because we know when we have an intimate former partner, we know how to press each other's buttons better than anybody else does. Yes. When somebody presses those buttons and you know that you will be destroying, like you said, destroying your children's future, um, hurting your children's identity, very identity. You know, I really think there should be two different words. I think there should be one word for going through a divorce where there are no children involved and another word for going through oh. a divorce where there are children So involved. easy, 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 and hard. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. There are, I know, no, and I am joking. There are plenty of divorces where kids aren't involved and it is heartbreaking. Yes. It is course. just that. I, I have this little thing. Animals. Yeah. Well, it's zombies is what it is. Is I, no, I'm not kidding. I'll, I'll explain it. I'm not, I am joking, but not joking because when it's, when kids are involved and I, okay, I really do want to clarify that divorces are terrible no matter what they are, whether you have kids or not. However, when kids are involved, it's the zombie. It's the fact that you're mourning the loss of a relationship. However, your ex is still the parent of your kids. So they are this walking, festering reminder of the relationship you used to have coming back from the dead. Cause you never get to mourn that relationship completely. Cause how can you mourn something when it's really, that person is still there. And so you're constantly reminded of what could have been, what should have been, what you wanted. And so when kids are involved, there's no clean break. Yes, there is a divorce on paper, yeah. but this family and the having to deal with that person continues. Yeah. So, well, that is if you share custody. If you're not sharing custody and you never see, you, you know, there are cases where you never see the person again, but uh, what you and I, what you and I have been through, totally different story. I love the zombie mm-hmm. thing. That's real. That's good. That's good. I got to put that in the show notes. So people are like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to listen. I'm going to hear about zombies on this episode. But it's true. It's I cool. really, there's a part where I talk about it, like with my clients and stuff, because I have this step where we go through the, like the five level, the five stages of grief. Yes. But I have a whole thing broken up into the five stages of grief for divorce and how to predict what's going to happen and be aware and prepared. And there is that part where I'm just like, I get it. Cause you say you're going to mourn someone. Mm-hmm. And yet, oh, look, they're here taking your children. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. So you're still, be- you're still here. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Thanks for letting me move on. Forever. That's right. So um, let's, we were in the pit and now let's go to the top of the mountain. So it takes, in addition to strategy, in my opinion, it takes an absolute warrior 
warrior energy, which is this thing. I don't even know what that means, but it's just, it's, I don't know, but I am loving it and feeling it. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, that's what I tell my clients. All my clients are people who are staging epic comebacks. They're either about to, or they're in that process. And they, I tell every single one of them, even though you don't, you might not feel this right now, you might not feel this way, but you are a warrior because you've come through something that is incredibly, incredibly difficult for any human being to go through. And it takes warrior energy. And when there are kids involved, it takes mama bear energy and papa bear energy. So I want to know about where you are now. You said it's worked for eight years. What is the best thing about being on that other side? And if you've been on the other side for a while, what's the best part about being on the other side as opposed to like in that muck? Oh, wait, what? Wait, so we're not talking benefits. We're talking just... We're talking about... It's all good. That was a long question. You, (laughs) You were in a difficult place and you came back from it. What's the yeah. best thing about being on the other side? What's the best thing about what you have created? Okay, see, I understood it. I just wanted to make sure because I want to jump in that it's torturous to my children and how much I love that because my mm. kids hate how amicable our divorce is. They got okay. the short end of the stick because I know. Well, because... There's no competing over Christmas presents. There's no double birthdays. There's no playing their dad and me against each other. They got screwed. They got screwed when it comes to divorces. They'll come and they'll even tell me, well, my friend has two birthdays because they're, they're divorced. And I'm going, you get one. And your dad and I are splitting this one present. So enjoy that. You're welcome. Bye. Like, so it's kind of fun. And, and that's the part where... And it's also great, the energy. I'm not carrying around anger or grumpiness. I mean, I've moved on and to have that sort of peace and know my kids never have to worry about the seating chart. You know, they get to just, they don't get to care about us. Their dad and I are a non-issue and most teenagers and as they get older, they don't think about their parents' like special requests and, and needs and things like that. They just want to be like, throw, throw them anywhere. They can sit wherever they want to go, wherever you want to throw them. And that's what I love. So it's not this giant thing where I feel so amazing or something shifted. That's why I had you ask the question twice. I'm like, ah, what is it? But what it really boils down to is I love seeing the effect our manageable slash amicable divorce has had on my kids. And the fact that it kind of tortures them is just a bonus. Love that answer. I know exactly. My mom of the year. <laughs> Heck yeah. I love that answer. You don't get any of those benefits of divorce. You don't get like 30 presents per parent. I love that. And I knew exactly what you were talking about when you said the seating chart. Yeah. You no. Know? Yeah. When, when your kids get married, there isn't going to be World War Five over where mommy sits and where daddy sits and where mommy's new person maybe and daddy's new person and all the new children and all that other stuff that you can yeah it's uh that's huge and you know what that's epic i there's there's something about the title of my podcast and the title of my of my of my company that intimidate that that many people find intimidating because they're like oh my god i have to be epic and i'm like listen epic is when you like yourself again epic is when you feel free Epic is when you have, you've decided to create a business out of paying it forward 
because you went through something hard and you figured it out. That to me, all of those things, those are epic. It's not about the, the Nobel prize. It's not about the, like I published five books. It, that's not, that's not what it is fundamentally to me. Now it might be to one of my clients. One of my clients might say, you know what? My epic comeback is starting a $5 million business and showing the world that I am the best at X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, good for you. Okay. I'm in, I'm in to help you with that. But for and you me, will be making enough money to pay me. So I like this even more. This is a great, <laughs> it's a good scenario. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> yes. I love it. Yeah. So, um, I absolutely love what you just said. And I know I'm going to love what you say now. No, oh, no. I no. know there's all this pressure. <laughs> <I know. laughs> I'm trying not to cough and somehow come up with epic things to say. So, no. okay. Life is really hard. Life is really hard. <laughs> I am not <laughs> complaining. I am not complaining. Well, so this is like, this is, this is what this podcast is all about. Our listeners are people, mostly women, who are in that place in the crisis. They're in the yeah. muck. They're in the absolute caca, you know. And I'm sh and I know you've had I know you've had clients like this, and they don't know how they're going to get to the other side. And the point of this podcast is to bring people on who've been to the other side, who've been through the hell, and then back on top, who staged the comeback to provide some inspiration, some just encouragement, uh, compassion, and maybe even some advice to people who are in the muck. So what is something that you, just a piece, advi a piece of advice or inspiration that you would want to say to our listeners right now about getting to that other side, sister? Okay. And I will, I do get what you're saying because there's times where I, I have a little bit of a sense of humor and I am a little bit feisty, but when I was going through my divorce, there were, I swear my water bill went up because my, my kids were young. They were only three and five and I didn't want to freak them out. So I probably took three or four showers a day just so I could ball my eyes out and have an excuse, you know, where like, no, I'm not crying. I just took a shower. It's totally fine. I've got this. Oh, look, I'm going to take another shower because I can't hold it together. So my shower became like my happy place or really my very sad place, but it was one of those things. And so the one thing that made the biggest difference, um, from taking my divorce from nuclear to nice was something I call strategic kindness. And what that is, cause you are very likely not going to be in the mood to be kind, but there's a difference when you're thinking about being strategic. And so this is, this is a quick example. And it was one of those things where you start to, you start to teach by example. And so my kids would go to their dads and they would come home and it, he, they would be there for the weekend and they would come back and all they would do was complain. He doesn't have the food we like. We, you know, we're starving. It's no fun, whatever. And little three and five-year-olds, if they're not full, they're miserable. He could have done amazing things, but if they're hungry, and I sat there and there was that moment where I could be like, oh, children, let me take care of you. I know how to fix all your favorites. Isn't it so much better at my house? Did you miss me? Like I could have done that. Yeah. But instead I reached out and I put a list. I'm like, hey, the kids are just being kids. You know how they are. I'm going to make you a list. So I gave them a list of their go-to foods, like the snacks, things that they had to have. And I have a certain way I make scrambled eggs. It's not a rocket science, but he's 
fancy in a good way, but he was making, he was pouring his heart and soul into these breakfasts, but it was more from an adult point of view, not a small kid's point of view. And he just needed that little bit of a reminder. And so instead of basking in the glory that I knew what my kids wanted, I just made it easier for him. And it worked out better for me too, because then they were coming home happy and filled and having fun at their dad. So I wasn't having three days of them bitching going, they don't want to go there because it was only about the food. And so it it was so simple, but he was so grateful. And then it, it was the very first step, like step stone, whatever you want to call it of us reaching out and having strategic kindness too lets you have something different to talk about than just the divorce. Cause if you can't have that secondary conversation, then you find yourself stuck in awkward places at baseball games or at the kids things. And if you've stopped being able to make small talk, then your go-to is to talk about your divorce. And there's a, a lot of times when that should not be what you're discussing. And so it's, it's a two prong, it's a two prong strategy where it lets you start building that kindness and showing what to do in the hopes at some point it will be reciprocated as well as keeping that secondary conversation going. So everything you talk about isn't always divorce. Christine, I, I want to just rewind that story and play it over again. I really do. Like, I, I really hope for those of you who are listening and you're going through the divorce process and you love your children and we, you know, the vast majority of us love our children and the vast majority of us want what's best for our children. Yeah, no, I mean, there are deadbeat dads and there are deadbeat moms and there are deadbeat. Oh know, no, I was referring to me. I was not saying that to your listeners. I was making no, a no, joke. No. I was no. saying, okay. <laughs> I totally get it. I totally get it. I really do. And the reason why I want to play it again is because it's just such a good example of taking the higher road, playing the long game, and not just, not, it's not like, it's not like everybody gets, a, you know, an, an award for, for doing that. But I still think you should get an award for doing that because you could have thrown yes. him under the bus. You could yes. have done exactly what you said. You could have thrown him under the bus. And yeah. I myself have also had many, many moments where I could have done some throwing under the bus and I didn't because not only is it not good for my kids, it's also not good for me. Yes. It's not good for anyone for your children to have an existence where they can't stand going to one house and they always want to be at the other. That's a, that is just, a, that's a recipe for disaster. There's a thing, there's a quote Dr. Phil says, and I use it with my clients. And it, for him, it's every relationship needs a hero. And I switch it to every divorce needs a hero because every, rela- every divorce truly does. It takes a hero to take the first step, the third step, the 30th step, however many steps it takes to make your divorce manageable or at least doable enough that your kids are going to not write a tell-all book about how your marriage, how your divorce ruined their lives. That's my goal for all of my clients is your children might write a tell-all book, but the chapter about your divorce will be my parents' divorce and how it taught me to lead by quiet strength or my parents' divorce and how it taught me unconditional love. That's like, that's my goal for my clients. I'm like, guys, I can't help you. If your kids are going to write a tell-all book, I'm not here to work with you the whole, your whole life, but yeah. Let's make that chapter about your divorce one that ends up being positive and not, not negative. 
Yep. And divorce goals is a great way to put it because when you're goal oriented and you say, okay, what's really important to me? Because we have like, we humans, we do have the capacity to think ahead. We do have the capacity to play the long game. The hard game is much harder to play. The short game with the zingers and the throwing people under the bus and the- So I'm much like, fun. <laughs> in the short term, right? Like yep. it's more fun. It's a better story. It's like, it's, you know, you can bitch about it with your friends. They can bitch about it with you, especially they also have had a difficult and non-amicable divorce. But in the longer term, when you know what your goals are and you just have someone like a divorce coach to keep knocking on your door and saying, okay, um, what would be the best decision for you to make at this juncture in light of the goals that you have? Yes. And yes. every time you bring, you bring up those goals and say, remember when you said that you want this to be amicable? Remember when you said that you want your children to be able to seat you together at their wedding? That, that is the strategic part. That's the, that's the, okay, I'm going to be kind, not because I feel kind, but because that would be the best thing to do to, to satisfy my goals, which are number one, to be kind to my children. So being kind to your co-parent or your ex-spouse in a way is really, don't do it for him or her necessarily. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> do no. it for your kids. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, good stuff. absolutely. In the fun and the little zingers and things you could have, it's temporary. And like we've talked about, co-parenting lasts forever. Those little one-liners and those things, you they will haunt you. Yeah, you might wish you had been able to say them. It's like, ah, oh, that would have been a good one. No, you know what would be even better is how, giving your kids a future where both their parents can be involved without stress. That yeah. you can't get anything better than that. So, I agree. So we're going to wrap up with one final question, which okay. is all about how epic this podcast is and all about how <laughs> this is no no pressure on this one if you christine if you could have any superpower that you don't already have because i know you have several what would it be <laughs> oh no um okay i'll be honest it would be that i could fly because i am i am terrified of flying on airplanes, but I really would like to travel. And so if I could just fly there myself or teleport, I don't know if that counts as a superpower, but either flying or teleporting sure. would be, that would be what I would like. So I, I would like never it. have to get on a plane again. I would teleport too. Right. Yeah. Teleport would be kind of nice. Yeah. I don't really need to fly. That's no, I don't want to fly even. I just want to get to places without having to be on a plane. Yeah. So whatever that superpower looks like, I would like that, please. Yeah, that's super. Okay, done. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> done. I'm a genie. Just kidding. Christine, thank you so much. I have had a blast talking to thank you. you. Thank you for being my guest. And I would like to know where we can find you online. How do we follow you? How do we learn from you? How do we, how do we, how do we work with you? And, <laughs> just and hang out. How do we just you? hang out? Okay, so... My podcast, I know, wait for it, is called Divorce Goals. So there's that. It kind of works out. I was really happy when that name was available. I was like, shut up. I've been saying Divorce Goals forever, and you're telling me there's nothing? So the Divorce Goals website, the Divorce Goals Instagram, and the Divorce Goals podcast is pretty, pretty inclusive. And then there's also 
my actual company name is one life strategy. So the number one, cause you only have one life and then I help with the strategies. So that's the same one life strategies on Instagram and, and my website. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's fun. I've got a Facebook group that I just started for the divorce goals podcast. So it's a little baby group and it's growing and we hang out in there and just support each other. Cause the thing with my podcast, it's a place to go for positive uplifting support. So it's just like this. We're going to chat. We swear a little bit. I make fun of myself all the time. And cause there's enough places to go to get stressed out and spun out. For and sure. so I just want divorce goals to be a place to go to get some inspiration and some actual strategies that work yeah. versus, you know, revenge stories and all of that fun stuff that does nothing to support your divorce goals. That's a totally different podcast. <laughs> yes, it really is. And I'm sure it exists. <laughs> how to annihilate your spouse. Yes. How to destroy your spouse and your children's future. No, wait, they wouldn't do that. They would just, just focus on the destroying of the spouse. We don't do that. Mm-hmm. No, we don't do that. We don't no. focus on that. Because we're epic. Yay. Because <laughs> we're epic. And now that we know how to, how to find you, um, I'm going to close out. I'm going to say that this is Nikki Bruno with Christine Travis, the Divorce Goals podcast, etc., on the Epic Comeback podcast for more great information about how to stage an epic comeback in your life after a life-shattering experience, please visit theepiccomeback.com.